do have a great God, and He's uh, He's involved in our lives. And we're we're back in Ezra this morning after a couple of weeks of uh, Christmas. Good to be here on this uh, first day of January. Um, back in Ezra, we're in chapter eight today. So, the uh, the you know the title of the last Ezra sermon that we did a few weeks ago was God's Hand Part One, and we saw in chapter seven three instances of, of what it means to uh, to have God's hand on you. you know, we, we saw that God's hand was, was on Ezra, this, uh, this scribe who had uh, special favor with the king of Persia, such that he was uh, granted all that he, that he asked for. Remember, Ezra is, is getting ready to, to bring back the second wave of people to, uh, to Jerusalem. And the uh, the hand of Ezra, the hand of God was on Ezra also because he had a special relationship with God's word. Remember, it said that he he studied God's word, he studied the law, he practiced it, he did it, he lived by it, and and he taught it. And uh, the the hand of God gave him uh, courage as he gave or as he gathered the people to Jerusalem. Well, so today we get to part two. In chapter 9, we, we have three more mentions of, of God's hand. We see more of what, what is meant by that. What, what is the hand of God? We'll, we'll see that as the story progresses. Three more items. We'll listen for them as we read in Ezra chapter 8. This first part is somewhat of a, a tongue twister with, with these names. Uh, these are the heads of the of their fathers' houses, and this is the genealogy of those who went up with me from Babylonia, in the reign of Artaxerxes the king, of the sons of Phineas, Gershom, of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hattush, of the sons of Sechaniah, who was of the sons of Perosh, Zechariah, with whom were registered 150 men of the sons of Pehath Moab, Elohineh, the son of Zerariah, and with him 200 men, of the sons of Zatu, Shechaniah, the son of Jehaziel, with him of 300 men, of the sons of Aden, Ebed, the son of Jonathan, and with him 50 men, of the sons of Elam, Jeshiah, the son of Athaliah, and with him seventy men, of the sons of Shephatiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, with him eighty men, of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, of the sons of Jahiel, with him two hundred eighteen men, of the sons of Bani, Shelomith, the son of Josephiah, with him a hundred and sixty men, of the sons of Bibai, Zechariah, the sons of Bibai, with him 28 men, of the sons of Asgad, Johanan, the son of Hakatan, and with him 110 men, of the sons of Adonikam, those who came later, their names being Elephalet, Jehuel, and Shemaiah, with him 60 men, of the sons of Bigvi, Uthiah, and Zachar, with them 70 men. Now why does... Why does the Bible have something like this? All these names. 
yeah, it's kind of a, a good good book for naming your your babies. Um, no, this just shows this is this is real history. This is God's this is God's hand in human history. You know, it's not a it's not just some made up story, some nice story where, you know, Ezra brings a bunch of people. No, he's he's laying it out, and you know, later on, people can trace their their genealogies, and say, you know, that was. That's my grandpa. That's my great grandpa. What a what a great God we we have. Let's get back to it. Fifteen. I gathered them to the river that runs to Ahava, and there we camped three days. And as I reviewed the people and the priests, I found that none of I, I found none of the sons of Levi. Then I sent to Eleazar, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah. And Meshulam, leading men, and for Joarib, and for Elnathan, who were men of insight, and sent them to Ido, the leading man at the palace, or the place, Casiphia, telling them what to say to Ido and his brothers and the temple servants at the place, Casiphia, namely to send us ministers for the house of God. And by the good hand of our God on us, they brought us a man of discretion of the sons of Mali, the son of Levi, son of Israel, namely Sherebiah with his sons and Kismen. Also, Hashabiah, and with him, Jeshiah, the sons of Merari, with his kinsmen and their sons, 20, besides 220 of the temple servants whom David and his official, officials set apart to attend the Levites, these were all mentioned by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is good on all those who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. Then I set apart twelve of the leading priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten of their kinsmen with them, and I weighed out to them the silver and the gold and the vessels, the offering for the house of our God, that the king and his counselors in his lords in all Israel, their present had offered. I weighed out into their hands 650 talents of silver and silver vessels worth 20 or 200 talents and 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold worth 1,000 derricks, and two vessels of fine bright bronze as precious as gold. And I said to them, you are holy to the Lord and the vessels are holy and the silver and the gold and are a free will offering to the Lord, the God of your fathers. Guard them and keep them until you weigh them before the chief priests and the Levites and the heads of our fathers' houses in Israel at Jerusalem within the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites took over the weight of the silver and the gold of the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of our God. And we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was on us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and ambushes by the way. 
We came to Jerusalem and we remained there three days. On the fourth day within the house of God, our God, the silver and the gold and the vessels were weighed into the hands of Merimoth, the priest, son of Uriah. And with him was Eleazar, the son of Phinehas. And with him were, were the Levites, Jezebad, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Binuai. The whole was counted and weighed, and the weight of everything was recorded. And at that time, those who had come from captivity, the returned exiles, offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel, 12 bulls for all of Israel, 96 rams, 77 lambs, and as a sin offering, 12 male goats. And this was a burnt offering to the Lord. They delivered the king the king's commission to the king's satraps and the governors of the province beyond the river, and they aided the people and the house of God. Whew. Uh, that's a long chapter with a lot of names. But did you hear did you did you note the three mentions of, of God's hand here? That's what we're going to talk about. There there's three mentions here. The first has to do with God's hand providing leaders. For, for the uh, temple service. Second, we see that God's hand is good on those who seek him. And third, that, third we see that his hand provides protection from, from the enemies. So the temple's been rebuilt. Now Ezra's task is to find godly men to lead in the service of the temple. And, you know, I think he was kind of surprised there that of all these people who, who were coming, uh, there, there were no Levites. There, were, there was a lack. You know, there, there were no sons of Levi. The sons of Levi, the, uh, the Levites, they were the, uh, that was the tribe of priests. Uh, they, they were needed in the temple. They were the, the priests. They were the, the temple workers. Uh, they were needed for temple duties to carry the holy things of God back to the temple. So Ezra sent a group of men says men of men of insight and he asked them to go to Edo the leader in uh, Casaphia to recruit attendants for the house of God and look what Ezra says in verse 17 here you know by the good hand of God on us they brought us a man of discretion you know by the good hand of God they brought us a man and, and also some more you know God moved through his people to provide leaders and workers, you know, so we have, we have God's hand and we have people working, working together to make this happen. You know, God said he was going to do this through the uh, prophet Jeremiah. He said of these, these people who returned to Jerusalem, he prophesied, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He made that promise to his people. I will give you good shepherds. Now, the main leader mentioned is uh, Sherebiah. He's mentioned here, and his name's also mentioned later on in uh, Nehemiah. It, we don't know a lot about him. He, it says he was a man of discretion. And uh, you know, the, in the original language, this means uh, he was a man of, of knowledge and insight. He was, he was a man of, of wisdom. He knew the things of the Lord, and uh, he, had, he had practical wisdom on how to apply the things of the Lord. Kind of like Ezra. 
you know, who, who studied the law and, and did the law. And um, I, I was kind of interested in this. I, I looked up the name Sherebiah. It's, it's formed from uh, two Hebrew roots. The first root is uh, Sherab, which means to, uh, to uh, parch or to scorch, you know, to burn. And Yah is, is the name of the Lord. And so these two roots together, you know, literally means heat from the Lord or, or fire from the Lord or, or the Lord provided heat. That's interesting. Sometimes God needs to provide capable leaders to, to stir up the fire among his people, you know, to, to stir up the embers, to get that fire, get those flames going, you know, and uh, bad leaders can quench the fire. In Jeremiah 23, he, he contrasts harmful leaders with these good leaders. He says in verse 1 of chapter t- Jeremiah 23, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my sheep, or my people, you have scattered my flock, you've driven them away, you've not attended to them, Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declared the Lord. Uh, Verse 3 and 4, he says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to the fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. So God promised, he, he prophesied, through, or Jeremiah prophesied that he, would, that he would provide good sheep, good shepherds for the sheep. You know, in, uh, in Ephesians 4, Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about Christ giving leaders, giving people gifts to, to the church. Ephesians 4.11 says he, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we, we may be, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it it builds itself up in love. We have this same principle here where God is, is providing good leaders, good shepherds, to his people. Now, how does how does God give these people to the church? How did God give these people to the the Israelites? You know, the same the same way. You know, it's by His hand. The people, which here in in Ezra were, were called people of wisdom and discernment, call them. The people call them under God's hand. You know, God and the people of wisdom and discernment 
call the leaders. And how, how does this happen? You know, where, where do wisdom and, and discernment come from? There are a couple answers. First is, is the word, God's word. You know, thankful God has, has given us wisdom through his word, and, and we're very wise to, uh, to heed God's word. When we select leaders, whether they be elders, including the pastor or, or deacons, you know, we have very clear guidelines in the, in the scripture, what to look for. The Apostle Paul gives instructions on selecting elders and deacons. You know, for instance, in Titus 1, 6 through 9, he, he talks about what a, what a godly elder is going to look like. Above, above reproach, husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That's some pretty good instruction on, on how to choose godly leaders. That's, that's a tall bill to, to fill there. And the qualifications for a deacon is, is very similar you know, these, these are not positions that a, a person is just entitled to. They're not, they're not political positions. They're, they're, on the other hand, servitude and, and uh, service positions. You know, if a, if a person is, is seeking to be a leader in the church or a leader among God's people, if he's doing it in order to obtain power, and control. Uh, he's, he's not the person for the job. God requires humble leaders, servant leaders. So God's word is one way we obtain wisdom from God. Another is, is observation. You know, part of discernment is, is the ability to observe. You know, has, has the person under consideration demonstrated these qualities that are that are laid out here by the Lord? Has he has this person proved himself in in the small things as well as as big things? Does does this person have a solid grasp of of the Scripture? Does he uh, does he faithfully live out the the biblical principles that are that are in God's Word? You know, an example of this is in Acts chapter six where. Uh, the, the apostles to the people of the church said, select seven men. Remember, there, there was kind of an issue with uh, the, uh, the, the Greek widows not being given uh, help. And so the apostles in, in Acts 6-4, they said, um, we... We will devote ourselves to uh, prayer and the ministry of the word. We'll select these seven. Verse 3, it says, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute. How, how do we know if somebody's a person of good repute? We, we observe them. We, we observe whether they, they live out godly principles. Good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And, and we will appoint them to this duty. 
So the, the, the men who the people selected, the apostles appointed, were, were known by the, the people of the church to be men of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit. They were, uh, they were close to God. They, they lived lives which demonstrated their closeness to God. They were, they were known to be men of wisdom. They were, they were known to uh, be men who lived out the Christian life and, and walked closely with the Lord. Uh, number three, are they, are they men who are God-seekers? You know, how much... Uh, And, and the, the, the people who select need to, to seek God on this matter, too. I, th- I think, uh, Mary, you said the, the Holy Spirit will, will guide in that process. You know, how, how much earnest prayer has gone into the, uh, the selection of, of our leaders? In, in the book of Acts, we see how the people prayed and fasted, seeking God's wisdom and God's will. Um, we need to seek God. We need to seek his, his direction on, on, on choosing leaders. Well, that last point, uh, seeking God is, is a, big, a big one. Uh, we must seek him in all things. And In fact, Ezra points out that God's, God's hand is on those who seek him. Ezra calls a fast that they might, in verse 21, humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way since we had told the king the hand of our God is for, is for good on all who seek him. You know, th- this is all about relationship, our relationship with God. Now, I, I find this pretty remarkable that Ezra, Ezra could have had an armed guard to go with him on this this trip. You you know we we read how much gold and silver and precious things were were coming with this band of people over a long distance of pretty hostile uh, territory with with bandits and, and robbers. But Ezra said, "No, I don't. I don't need that." Because the hand of God is good on those who seek him, and we're, we are God-seekers. What does it look like to uh, seek God? You know, it's, it's longing for God. It's desiring him. It's pursuing him. Let's, let's look to Jeremiah for an answer. Re- remember, his prophecy is for these very people. These very people who are returning to Jerusalem. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And I think this, this verse is probably going to sound familiar to, to many of you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you to exile. What a great promise. 
You know, certainly Ezra was, was well-versed in the prophecy of, of Jeremiah and uh, ready to apply it. And he led these people to seek God. Look what they did. First Ezra and, and the people fasted. They fasted. They did this to humble themselves before God. Uh, you know, fasting humbles ourselves. When we fast, it humbles us. Showing us our, our weakness, showing us our uh, dependence on God for, for sustenance. John Piper says of Ezra's fast, fasting for Ezra was not only an expression of humility and desperation, it was an expression of desiring God with life and death seriousness. The text says they fasted that they might seek a safe journey for themselves, their children, and, and their goods. You know, when, when you see people fasting in the Bible, they're doing some serious God-seeking. Um, I don't hear a lot of talk about fasting these days. I, I fast occasionally. I don't fast very often, not enough. This is convicting to me. In Matthew 4, you know, when uh, and we talked about this a while back, you know, when God gives instructions on praying. He says, when you pray, pray like this. When you give. And he says, when you fast. You know, not, not if you fast, but he says, when you fast. You know, it's assumed that we pray, that we, that we give. It's assumed that, that we fast. Uh, John Piper, in, in his book, Hunger for God, gives a story. Let me read this to you. He said, my own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. Jun Gong Kim in Seoul, South Korea. Is it true, I asked him, you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980? Yes, he responded, it's true. Dr. Kim was the chairman of a crusade expected to bring a million people to Yoedo Plaza, but six months before the meeting, the police informed him they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at the time was in political turmoil, and Seoul was under martial law. The officers decided they couldn't take the risk of having that many people together in one place. So Dr. Kim and some associates went to a mountain, and they prayed for 40 days, and they fasted for the crusade, and when they returned and made their way to the police station, oh, said the, uh, the officer when he saw Dr. Kim, we've changed our mind, and you can have your meeting. Wow. Seeking God through fasting. And, and we might take note in the, in the book of Acts. You know, we talked about choosing leaders uh, and and commissioning leaders the church of the church of antioch sought god in fasting and prayer uh, which which resulted in the in the selection of paul and barnabas to be sent out as missionaries acts tw- uh, 13 2 to 3 says while they were worshiping the lord with fasting the holy spirit said set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work which i've called them then after fasting and praying they laid hands on them and sent them off you know, elsewhere in Acts, we, we read that when elders were being selected, that they prayed and they fasted. Um, second, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra 
sought God by having faith in God. We, we seek God in faith because we know he's going to help us in, in times of need. Uh, Ezra seriously had to have faith in God. You know, he was, he's leading God's people across this uh, hostile and dangerous territory. You know, the, the distance they traveled was about a thousand miles on foot. Uh, not only was, was Ezra responsible for God's people, he was responsible for all these holy vessels for, for the temple. Uh, silver and gold, millions of dollars worth of uh, precious items. Yeah, Ezra was, was ashamed to ask for help. He put his faith on the line here and trusted God. So Ezra and the people sought God through fasting and prayer and, and by demonstrating faith in him. They also sought him by, by worshiping him. They worshiped God by, by bringing the articles back to the temple. They they worshiped God by re-adorning the temple. They worshiped God by offering these, these sacrifices that we read about. God, God blesses the work of those who seek him. His hand is on them. You know, the temple was, was an important place in the Old Testament. This is where God met with his, his people. This was the, the dwelling place for God. This is where the sacrifices were, were offered. That's where we want to be when, when we seek him. You know, we, we know from the New Testament that God's building now, God's temple is, is not the building, but it's, it's the people. When we're together, we are the temple. It's the church. God dwells in us individually and, and together he dwells in us corporately. So we need to seek God through the uh, the building of the church. You know, the, the church is God's temple. <laughs> Building it up and edifying it's a top priority for us. You know, we're, we're, we're told to do that. We're told to seek to edify the church, to build it up. And doing so takes dependence on God. Any, any building that, that we do on our own with, without the help of God is going to fail. You know, we need to seek God. We need to, we need to seek his direction. Uh, any, any other direction from God's direction is, is the wrong direction. Uh, you know, we, we may have programs and activities, but our, our primary thing really here needs to be seeking God. You know, back to the apostles. Their, their priority was prayer and the ministry of the word. As, you know, as God's temple, we need to put a high priority on, on being God's seekers. God is to be worshipped. So... That was that was the second instance of God's hand. Next, it says God's hand will uh, will pr- provide protection from from the enemy. The hand of God was on us, and He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. That's kind of interesting. The, uh, the the words that are used here, because when the when the people were exiled, it, the the scripture says that God 
gave the people to the hand of the enemy. You know, allowing them to be scattered and, and taken into captivity. Uh, in Lamentations 1.9, the, the prophet Jeremiah moans, uh, O oh Lord, behold my affliction. My enemy has, has triumphed. But things are turning around now. By God's hand, God has led them back. He's, he's saved them from the hand of the enemy. He's, he's delivered them. The, the word deliver in, in, you know, in the original Hebrew, it means to tear from, to remove, or to withdraw. You know, we don't know really anything about the specifics of this, this trip. It, but the idea seems to be not that God prevented peril, from the enemy, but that God rescued them from, from, you know, real and present danger, you know, certain uh, danger. An example, an illustration of this is uh, David. When David is talking to Saul about Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37, he says, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear or, and, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. The same word, deliver. David delivered the lamb from the mouth of the lion, just like God delivered these people from the mouth of the enemy. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he's defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And God delivered his people on this trip from the hand of the enemy. God's hand was on him. Well, God calls us to be utterly dependent on, on him. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. We need to be God seekers as we, as we draw near to him he promises he will draw near to us. As we draw near to him, we'll find more and more how, how his hand directs us and, and helps us and, and protects us. Let's pray. Let's humble ourselves and pray. Our, our Father, you know how sinful we are. And we know that you you are almighty, Lord. You're, you're glorious and, and you invite us to, to draw close to you. You've said, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. Thank you for the way you've, you've provided for us. Your, your hand has, has been on us. You've given us salvation through, uh, through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, may we be 
desperate for you. May may we be hungry and, and thirsty for you, Lord. And we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.